good afternoon. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of the Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us today as he opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. Let's turn, please, once more in the Word of God to Matthew chapter 6. And let's read together from Matthew 6 and the verse number 9. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Amen. May God bless his word. We all understand that when we come to pray, it is not simply a matter of offering words, even the the right words. It is clear in this section of God's word from verse number five that it is possible to pray prayers that are the prayers of the hypocrite. And so whilst the Lord is emphasizing the importance of secret prayer in this chapter, we could also say that true prayer, true prayer that is real and genuine, is prayer that is offered from a heart of faith. That's not primarily our Lord's focus here in his teaching, but it is implied in it all. Faith is vital for prayer to be what ought to be in the ears of God. We sometimes will think of the prayer of faith in the sense of knowing and claiming the promises of God. Faith, of course, believes the word of God. And so we we pray in faith and we claim God's promises and repeat those promises back to God. That's that's a prayer of, of faith. But before we even get to that point, true prayer, true praying in faith involves believing that we have a right to pray in the first place. That fundamental issue, even before we we open our mouths or open our minds to God in prayer, we must first have the conviction that we we have a right to approach God. We noticed last time that this prayer that the Lord is instructing us on is a prayer that begins with a claim of faith. The prayer does not begin the Father, but the prayer begins with that word, or. Father. And so before we even go into the petition themselves, there is a statement in the prayer that we believe that we are the sons of God, that we believe that we're the children of God. Such conviction involves a belief that we are the objects of God's love. It involves a conviction that we are born again of the Spirit of God. It involves a a realization that we have come to believe on the Lord. For those who have the power to be the sons of God are those who receive Christ and who are born of God. As those who can say, our Father, we believe that we have been bought of God. It is through Christ's blood that we've been made sons of the living God. And so we are coming in this prayer and in this very opening word, we are we are claiming our right to pray. We should never misunderstand that or, or, or lessen the importance of that. It's a solemn thing to take the first word of the Lord's Prayer upon our lips. 
God is, if you're like my father, if you can personalize it, God is my father and I am his son. But moving, moving forward, I have one thoughts in detail regarding the word or our last time. We should move on to think about the, the, the term in its collective form, our father, which art in heaven. And there are two things that I want to highlight tonight. The first one is the, the person we address. I wrestled over that heading in my own mind. Was I right to say the, the person we address? And the reason it was a wrestling was because we all sing the hymn, God in three persons, blessed trinity. And so if I have as my heading the person singular, am I suggesting that the term father here actually means simply father? For there are some who suggest that father here is, is simply a term for the entire Godhead. I have, I have no concern with believing that what is being taught here is the Son teaching us to address our prayers primarily to the Father. I also have no difficulty in believing that it is right to address worship and prayer to the Son or the Spirit. As divine persons, they are co-equal with the Father, and therefore they have the right to receive worship, adoration, and prayer. But it would appear to me that the Lord is making a very important point here. And that is that in the economy of the Trinity, we are to address the Father in our praying. And as we address the Father in our praying, then there are certain things that are therefore inferred. What does it mean? Why is it important to say, or Father? Well, let me suggest to you that when you pray, or Father, there are a number of truths that would come to your remembrance that would be helpful for us to remember every time we pray our Father. The first reminder is that we have a reminder of the love that the Father has for us. When we come and talk to our Father, when we take that name upon our lips and call him Father, we are again reminding and reassuring ourselves that we have a Father who loves us. We are sons out of love. That love continues. Let me turn you again to 1 John chapter 3. We turned here last time, but let me remind you of it again. 1 John chapter 3. Highlighting again this sense of Father. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. And so when you take the term Father... You are reminding yourselves that it is in his love that you're a son. And if you're not a son, then God is not your father. But if you're a son and can say our father, then you can say that because God has loved you. What an important start that is. You're going to be bringing to God a number of vitally important petitions for the church and for your own life. And as you pray through those prayers. It is vital to remember at the very beginning. That God is your father. And therefore you are approaching. A God who loves you. Don't ever rush away from that thought. 
Because when you remind yourselves, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Remember what's involved in that love. Why can John marvel? Behold, what manner of love. Because John remembers and understands the outworking of the love of God. God does not love us because of what Christ has done. But because God loves us, Christ did what he did. Out of God's love, the Son comes. Out of God's love, the Son dies. It is the love of God that secures redemption, accomplished and applied. And so we are sons of God because of the infinite, eternal, unchangeable love of God. And that love is altogether glorious. That's where we have the joy of starting in our prayers. The Lord could have used many terms as he approached, as he, as he taught the disciples to approach God. There are many terms used in the Bible itself. And they are all legitimate terms to be used when we approach God in prayer. But when Christ teaches disciples, he reassures them, you take the term Father upon your lips. And in so doing, you remember that God loves you. We also In taking this term, our Father, we have a reminder of our enabling in prayer. So we remind ourselves that God loves us, but we also remind ourselves about how we're going to be able to pray. Turn to Galatians chapter 4, please. Galatians chapter 4. And in Galatians chapter 4, you'll see the verse number 4. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And we saw last time that our sonship is only possible because of the glories of redemption. We've been redeemed by Christ. He was made a curse for us, chapter 3, so that we could be redeemed from the curse of the law. But then what it says then, we might receive the adoption of sons, verse 5, and, note, because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And because we are sons, the Father sends forth the Spirit into our hearts, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So every time you begin a prayer time, every time you say, Our Father, you are immediately reminding yourself that the Father has given you the Spirit through which you're able to pray, Abba, Father. The enabling of our prayers is assumed in taking the term our Father upon our lips. Thomas Watson says this, Prayer is the soul's breathing itself into the bosom of its heavenly Father. None of God's children are born dumb. We only pray as sons to your Father because of the Spirit's working in our souls. Just as a quick aside, genuine prayer is is always spirit-led prayer. So when you say, Our Father, you are again claiming the truth that because you're a son, God has sent forth the spirit of a son into your hearts and you cry, Abba, Father. Spirit-led prayer is, is marked by fervency. We cry. Fervent praying is 
It's not marked by volume or speed or any uh, technical device necessarily, but it's a burden in prayer. It's a, it's a weighty prayer. We're, we're crying, Abba, Father. It's fervent prayer. It's believing prayer. We believe that God is our Father. And so, just when you take the term, our Father, you remind yourself, God loves me. And you remind yourself that God has given you the Spirit. And therefore, as you begin to pray, you have the confidence, haven't you? I'm praying to God loves me, and I'm going to be able to keep on praying because he's given me the Spirit of God to enable me to do so. So you have those first two reminders, a reminder of God's love and a reminder of the gift of God's Spirit. In the third place, though, there is a reminder here of the invitation to come. Our Father, the Lord is reminding the disciples that the Father is willing and welcoming the Son to bring their petitions. Uh, there, there are some who, who take the term Abba, Father, as uh, some sort of very familiar address. But one man has said this, it's not Daddy so much as it is Dear Father. And there's a reverence, but at the same time there is an intimacy uh, a desire that the Father would receive the approach of the Son. And it's God saying, I am the thrice holy God, but you may, you may approach me as Father, Abba, Father. Hence, we take the words our Father lips, we are reminding ourselves that it is the desire of God for us to come and approach into his presence. I think there are times in our lives that we, that we really doubt that God would want us to pray. Why would God have any desire for us to approach his presence? We know our sin. We know how many times we feel the Lord. We know how often our prayers are with wrong motives. And so we, we question ourselves, how could God want us to approach him? And so at the beginning of the instruction of our Lord regarding prayer, he tells us, you take that word. Remember our Father. Because when you say our Father, it will remind you that you have access into the, the very living room of God. And there is also a fourth thing uh, that this uh, address reminds us of. It reminds us of God's generosity of heart toward us. One of the challenges uh, that we face in the modern age is the dereliction of the responsibility of fathers. Many fathers have done such a wretched job that when you present God as father, uh, there is a resistance to that term in the hearts of some. Well, if God is a father and he's like my father, I want nothing to do with God. It's a rebuke to our souls. It's a reminder to us, even as fathers, that we must be careful that we reflect God. But when, when the term father is used of God, it is a reminder of God's generosity of heart. God is tender-hearted toward us. God is generous toward us. God receives us. God is pleased to bestow favor and mercy and gifts upon us. You look at chapter 7 of Matthew's gospel. Matthew chapter 7 and the verse number 11. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? You have your petitions you have your spiritual burdens and need, and you find that they are promised in the Word. 
then don't doubt your father. The Lord will not withhold any good thing from those who walk uprightly. What an assurance that is. The Lord is generous in his spirit. And just because that may not have been the response we receive from our Father does not deny the truth that God is infinitely generous in his disposition toward us. God does not hold withhold good things. God is generous to give those good things that are for our good and for our benefit. Oh, what truth there is in these two words, our Father. And the last thing that, remind, that we're reminded of here, and if, I'm sure there are more, but the last one is this. We are reminded of the knowledge that our Father has of us. That's actually the very context itself. Matthew chapter 6 and the verse number 8. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before ye ask him. And what the Lord is teaching here is that there's, there's not the need for the, the vain repetitions. Those who think they should be heard for their much speaking. That at times does come into the thinking of the Christian. Oh yes, we must be importunate. And you don't, you don't imbalance or unbalance the doctrine of, the, of prayer. We, we are importunate. We, we are to keep on asking. But what's it dealt with here is the, the nature of that praying. And what you have is the, the pagan type praying. Although they are religious here, it is the praying of the prophets of Beal back in Elijah's time. Where they, they keep on keeping on, but they're getting nowhere. And so the Lord is saying, no, remind yourself that, that when you pray for something, you've prayed for it. And, and leave it there. And yes, you will, you will come back and you'll pray again because you must be importunate. But in your, in your actual praying, pray and leave it there. So let's not see the need to engage in vain repetition because our, our Father knows what we need of before we ask him. He knows what's best for us. He, he knows our needs. You know, when you come, perhaps tonight or tomorrow morning, you, you come to pray and uh, meet with your, with your God and you, you come to say, Our Father, you might find in your own heart it's hard to go beyond that. He loves me. He's given me a spirit. He invites me to come. He's generous in heart towards me. And he knows exactly what I need. Matthew 6 and the verse number 32. And the Lord says this, For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. What assurance there is in the term for the person we address, our Father. But the second thing that we should note in this opening address is the place where he abides. And we're told here, our Father, which art in heaven. Can we understand that God is not contained in heaven? Solomon, as he prays the prayer of dedication, the temple, 1 Kings 8, but will God indeed dwell in the earth? Behold, the heaven and heavens of heavens cannot contain thee, how much less this house that I have builded. But we, we use the term heaven as the place of God's special presence. It's the place of his throne. Isaiah 66 says, The heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. The old Puritan said this, He never denied that soul, that suit that went as far as heaven to ask it. God is in heaven. And it's a reminder to us, not that God is, again, remote from us, not that God is far off us, 
But there are things that we remind ourselves when we pray our Father which art in heaven. We remind ourselves of God's sovereignty. Turn back to to Psalm 115. When you pray our Father, you're reminding yourself that, that God is sovereign. God is not like the idols of this world. But verse 3 of Psalm 115 says, But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. So when the Bible speaks of God in the heavens and heavens as God's throne, it is using language that we can understand. God, of course, is omnipresent. But when the Bible highlights the fact that God abides in heaven, the place of his throne, it's reminding us of God's sovereignty. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. We must always approach God in prayer, reminding ourselves that he is, he is sovereign. We are always praying for his will to be done. And we pray in the assurance that he always does that, which is his will, his sovereignty. We are also reminded of God's ability. Our Father which art in heaven. Isaiah chapter 6, we've noticed in our Sunday morning studies, has the description of heaven itself. And in heaven we see the Lord sitting upon a throne. I've said already, heaven is God's throne. And the Lord sits upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train fill the temple. The train describing his royal robes. It's a picture language to see the infinite glory of God filling heaven itself. It's a reminder of God's supreme majesty. God is described in Psalm 104 in the verse number 2. Who covers thyself with light as with a garment. Who stretches out the heavens like a curtain. God is clothed with honour and majesty. Psalm 104 verse 1. God's ability is at the very forefront when we pray our Father which art in heaven. We are coming to a king. Large petitions with thee bring. See when we think of God's Ability, we are reminding ourselves in part of God's omniscience. Turn, turn back, please, to Psalm 11. Psalm 11. Uh, note Psalm 11 and what is said there regarding the Lord in heaven. So we're thinking of God's ability. Our Father, which art in heaven, God's ability. Verse number 4. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. It's a picture, if you like, of God in heaven seeing all things. He sees all from the vantage point of heaven. You understand, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that, that God is limited in this sense. I'm, I'm using the language of the Bible. We're, we're encouraging the Bible to, to take this human language and apply it to God. The God who looks from heaven and sees his eyes behold. You think of the, the words of Exodus chapter 3 in the verse number 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. God from heaven, he looks down and sees the afflictions of people. How is, how is God able to know what we need? How is our Father able to give us what is for our goods? Because he's in heaven and he's able to see. 
He's able to perceive what is for our benefit. He sees the past and he sees our future. And he knows how to get us from the present to the future with our souls in safekeeping. These are language that are, this is language that is appropriate to bring to God in prayer. You are in heaven. And therefore, you're a God of ability because you're able to see exactly where I am and what I need. And your eyes behold, your eyelids try the children of men. You see, you see the evil against me. And you see the needs that I have. But not only should we consider under this idea of ability, God's uh, omniscience, seeing all things, we also see God's omnipotence. Turn to, to Psalm 57. Psalm 57, the verse number three, he shall send from heaven and save me. I'm just going to stop there. Uh, again, of course, the psalm is in its context, but it's that sense of God sending from heaven and saving me. The God who's in heaven has no lack of ability to answer our prayers. We will see in the coming weeks that some of the petitions that we are praying here are, are unspeakably large, vast in their scope, but they're not too big for God. Thy kingdom come. Oh, the magnificence of that prayer, the, the size of that prayer. But it's not too big a prayer for God to answer. He sees. He's able. His sovereignty, his ability. And just one other thought, his availability. There is no place where you cannot approach God from. Heaven is accessible from everywhere and from every circumstance. Nothing can block your approach to heaven. Oh, bad weather, traffic, an accident, something, it may block your ability to get somewhere. But you are nowhere at any time whereby you cannot approach God in heaven. He is sovereignly able and available to hear and answer our prayers. It's a wonderful Wonderful address. Our Father, which art in heaven. Precious words to commence prayer. Words that ought to encourage our faith. We are sons by adoption. We are sons due to bloodshed on our behalf. And surely, just as we take these words, our Father, which art in heaven, we have the confidence that we are being heard of a God who loves us. A God who is pleased to give us God who knows us, God is able to do what we need for his glory and for our good. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We preach Christ crucified. Thank you.